What's up everyone, I'm Ben with the BTC Sessions and this is your Daily Session. Before we dive in, of course, shout out to sponsors of the show, Ledin.io. This is where you can use your Bitcoin for a variety of different services. They've got Bitcoin savings accounts, so you can earn interest on your Bitcoin, paid in Bitcoin. They've got Bitcoin-backed loans. This is where you can use your Bitcoin as collateral to obtain a US or Canadian dollar loan. So if you're in a pinch and you need to get your hands on dollars, but you don't want to sell your Bitcoin because you're worried it's a bad time, this could be an option for you. And finally, for you Bitcoin bull out there, like myself, I just started playing around with this, uh, B2X. This allows you to get double the exposure to the price fluctuations of Bitcoin. If you want to check out any of those, there is a link in the show notes down below. And actually, if you opt to get a loan, they'll credit your account with an additional 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin. Secondly, we have Rise Wallet. This is a physical Bitcoin gift card that you can pick up at a store near you. Now, the way it works is you pick it up. It's just like any uh, prepaid Visa card kind of. Essentially, you can grab it, gift it to anybody. On the back of the card, they are instructed to download a paired app. They then scan a code on the back of the card uh, after scratching it, and it creates them a brand new Bitcoin wallet on their phone and sends them an on-chain transaction for the face value of the card. I friggin' love these things. I've gifted them to a bunch of people, and they're super easy, super super idiot proof and fantastic for onboarding new users. So be sure to check them out at risewallet.com. You can click on locations in the top right to see where you can grab them near you. And if they're not near you, you can always get one ordered from coincards.ca. Now they're only in Canada right now, but keep an eye out because they are looking at expanding in the future. With that, let's dive into the news. So there is a ton of FUD going around, which may coincide with a little bit of the the Bitcoin dip we had over the weekend. But all of this is around Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin uh, talking about significant crackdowns happening uh, around cryptocurrency in the U.S. Now, what this says here is that (laughs) uh, he said... Uh, let's just read a little bit of this. This, this week, Treasury Secretary, Secretary Steve Mnuchin warned significant new Bitcoin and cryptocurrency regulations are on the way. And then they paired this with some information. By the way, this is from Forbes. They paired this with information around uh, the Minneapolis, Minneapolis Federal Reserve president saying cryptocurrencies are a giant garbage dumpster and the Department of Justice calling Bitcoin mixing or uh, obfuscation of where the funds came from a crime. Um, Now, a couple more things here. He told the Senate Finance Committee that uh, FinCEN, uh, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, is preparing significant new requirements around cryptocurrencies and will be seeing a lot of work come out very quickly. He also went on to say, we want to make sure that the technology moves forward, but on the other hand, we want to make sure that cryptocurrencies aren't used for the equivalent of old Swiss secret number bank accounts. Uh, He added FinCEN and the Treasury Department more broadly are spending a lot of time on this. Now, the interesting thing here is 
when paired with the title of the article, significant U.S. crypto crackdown, and you know they they say the to- the whole title is "Blow to Bitcoin as Significant U.S. Crypto Crackdown Suddenly Revealed." It's very sensationalist, and with the beginning of it, them also pairing the whole uh, Fed Reserve president calling it a garbage dumpster and and uh, Department of Justice calling mixing a crime. It starts to sound very scary, but when you look at the actual quote from Mnuchin, there's not a lot there. And and if you want to really get an appreciation of it, there is a video on YouTube of the actual testimony, which is about two minutes in length, where basically he talks about a few things. He talks about, okay, well, there's cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, there's stable coins, and there's the potential for central bank digital currencies. And he goes into the three of kind of how they're approaching it. More or less, all that he says on Bitcoin is... We're trying to make sure that there isn't a ton of money laundering happening. That's that's more or less what he says. Um, but he says that, yes, they've been spending a lot of time trying to navigate those waters. He talks about stable coins and how they could help uh, consumers reduce small cross-border payments, the costs of doing so. Um, and then he talks about central bank digital currencies uh, in that the Federal Reserve is not really interested in pursuing that, but may look at it again at a later date. But really, nothing, nothing scary uh, to be heard here at all. And then further to this, we have uh, Raphael here. Um, Jacoby, I believe is his last name. He is the managing attorney at the Crypto Lawyers, which is a United States-based law practice focused on all matters cryptocurrency. And he said on Twitter, I spoke with a representative from FinCEN today, and they knew nothing about these requirements or Mnuchin's announcement. They informed me that rulemaking, if done, will go through a formal and public process with opportunity to provide feedback from the public. Um, so very much, there's there's nothing really that's on the cusp of happening here. Um, I believe this is just the Treasury Secretary more or less saying, hey, money laundering in our eyes is bad and we want to prevent it as best we can and we're exploring ways to do that. Um, But with a sensationalist article like this coming out of Forbes, it can very easily draw the eyes of Bitcoiners and people on both sides of the fence, whether you're for or against Bitcoin, saying, look, this is this is bad news for Bitcoin um, when really there's there's not much here. Um, I would go further to say, and this is Bitcoin Tina said this, although I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't find it in the thread here. Anyways, he said, oddly enough, even if this were true, uh, it's actually technically good for Bitcoin in the sense that regulation is not banning Um, And so when somebody tries to regulate Bitcoin, it's more or less an admission of acceptance that Bitcoin is here and and cannot be stopped. Um, And so trying to regulate it into a corner is really the only option that a lot of these these agencies have, although even that is going to be difficult to 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 deal with because uh, Bitcoin Privacy, there are plenty of options for it now. They're getting better and better. You have Wasabi Wallet. You have things like Samurai Wallet with their Whirlpool mixing. You have the Lightning Network. And with the Lightning Network, you know, 
you can't really see where those transactions are coming from or going. It's very difficult to track. And then you have side chains like Liquid Network where confidential transactions are are the default. So really and and it's still early like a lot of this stuff is relatively new so um, it's only going to be more and more difficult over time for them to get a handle on this stuff and at the pace that government moves i i can't imagine that this will have much bearing at all anyways uh let's move on here uh, just a fun little story because Max Kaiser is hilarious and awesome. Um, if you don't know him, he is the host of the Kaiser Report on RT News. Uh, he was on, and I'm not a fan of this show, but he was on Infowars with Alex Jones. Uh, but regardless, he was talking about his price predictions for Bitcoin um, a while back, like 2012, as early as then. He said, oh, Bitcoin's going to $100,000. Well, for the first time since then, he's revised his price prediction and he quadrupled it to 400K. So he, <laughs> here's his quote. He says, I am officially raising my target for Bitcoin. And I first made this prediction when it was $1. I said it could go to 100000 I'm raising my official target for the first time in eight years. I'm raising it to 400 grand. Um, now, obviously, there's been plenty of uh, predictions out there previously. And, and Kaiser even here says, hey, the, the, the dips are equally as attractive. He said, this is good news. Um, Bitcoin at $10,000 or 9300 which, you know, whatever the price range it is currently, uh, is equally as attractive as when it was $100. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, there's been plenty of price predictions there, you know, that a 40x return uh, would be pretty bullish, uh, obviously, um, but I don't think it's outside the, the realm of possibility, even in the next couple of years. I don't I don't think it'll get quite up there, but I do think it'll stay in line with uh, with stock to flow from plan B. I think it'll be probably close to that realm um, if I had to take a wild guess and I could totally be fucking wrong here so don't take my word for it but i mean there's been other uh other major people that have made calls you have tim draper that thinks 2024 you could see 250k you had john mcafee who said a million by 20 the end of 2020 uh start of 2021 and he said that he'd eat his own dick on live television if it didn't hit that while well, he rescinded that bet obviously i don't think anybody really believed um bobby lee said 500k by 2028 um yeah i <laughs> again i think i so i made a video on on predicting the price of bitcoin in 2018 near the beginning of it um and kind of how i thought the the next three years would play out um and it's been pretty close. Uh, I, I didn't predict the the spike mid last year, but other than that, it's been pretty much what I was anticipating. Hopefully, the second half of it plays out because that would be wonderful. Because I said uh, over a hundred thousand dollars and maybe a you know a couple times that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I haven't really changed my mind on on that prediction that I made two almost two years ago now so i guess time will tell i'll include that in the show notes below so if you want to listen to that uh yeah go check it out but again i don't know i i think it's pretty that's that's still what i'm anticipating uh let's move on we've got some shitcoin news here uh bitcoin cash 
fun, fun. Oh, Bitcoin Cash. So there's been uh, some infighting in Bitcoin Cash. Who would have guessed that a group of people that caused infighting in Bitcoin and then splintered off and then had more infighting and then splintered off into Bcash and Bitcoin SV would once again have infighting. But that is the case. Uh, so the devs want to implement a tax. And this isn't new news. Um, this was, it's been, a, I think, a couple weeks or more that this news has been out. But uh, essentially, the, the code is ready. And so Bitcoin ABC, which is one of the main implementations for Bitcoin Cash, um, uh, it's used by over 50% of the network. Well, uh, they, they've um, supported the fork, the code is made. And so now instead of 12.5% tax on all the block rewards that would go to a Hong Kong, uh, a Hong Kong entity that would then divvy up the rewards to devs and other teams, um, it's now reduced to a 5% tax on the block rewards. Um, yeah, so but obviously a lot of people weren't super happy about that. I mean, surprise, surprise, because a lot of people believe that taxation is theft, especially those in, in the Bitcoin community. Uh, well, so it's no surprise that a good portion of Bitcoin Cash people also believe the same. You have Peter Risen, who is the chief, I think the chief scientist for uh, Bitcoin Unlimited, which is also an implementation of Bitcoin Cash that can be used. Uh, one of his tweets here, he said, this will test if Bitcoin Cash can avoid being captured by a group of developers. Bitcoin does not have payouts to third parties encoded in its protocol. If exchanges and miners download and run the new version of ABC, BCH will be Bcash and no rights to the name Bitcoin. <laughs> with no rights to the name Bitcoin, which, oh my God, I find it hilarious to for somebody who split off of Bitcoin to be a part of something else of an altcoin that tried to capitalize on the Bitcoin name and failed, again, because it's worth like 3% of a Bitcoin, um, to be bitching that if somebody forks off and does something different with the code, they'll have no right to use the, the name Bitcoin. Um, I don't like the cognitive dissonance there is is mind bending. Um, anyway, so a little bit about this tax. Uh, it would be going to who would it be going to? It would be going to uh, Bitcoin ABC, Electron Cash, um, basically a whole bunch of different people that are kind of in line with Bitcoin ABC and those developers, it would not, interestingly enough, be going towards any of the Bitcoin Unlimited developers, which also could be uh, a reason for the pushback here. Um, now, this is interesting here. Adding to worry, uh, adding worry to woes, a Reddit user pointed out that Bitcoin ABC's last upgrade included a code, uh, a code deactivation clause that occurs every six months when the network hard forks. This means even if those running ABC nodes want to skip the hard fork and continue running an earlier version of the client, it will automatically update to the new code, which includes the minor tax. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, also considering BCHD, another node client is also a recipient, they're most likely to support the proposal as well. The only way for uh, Bitcoin Cash enthusiasts to stop you, uh, this 
uh, is for the ABC nodes to switch over to Bitcoin Unlimited, which again is not eligible for the tax anyways. Um, so yeah, unless we see a mass migration of people running uh, alternative nodes, it looks like Bitcoin Cash is going to split once again in two. So now the split the people that split from Bitcoin in order to create Bitcoin Cash will soon be responsible for three different versions of their altcoin. <sighs> okay, anyways, <laughs> let's let's move on. I'll let that stew with you guys for a little bit. Um, okay, so let's chat about this. DeFi got exploited, um, except for, you know, it really didn't. So DeFi stands for decentralized finance and, uh, and it's people building decentralized finance atop uh, Ethereum, which I find a conundrum in itself because uh, Ethereum itself has no has no real like sound monetary policy it's really up to uh, up to the whims of the ethereum foundation and vitalik so for decentralized finance to be built on top of something that essentially is is malleable as is is pretty interesting to me um anyways Somebody managed to take home three hundred fifty thousand dollars in profits based on, uh, based on on this DeFi, like a lot of these loans and things that can happen on DeFi. So, essentially, what happened here, and and they're saying that it's an ex an exploit, a genius. So this this decrypt article says how a genius hacker made three hundred fifty thousand dollars exploiting DeFi. But there was no there was no hacking here in reading through in reading through this article. Essentially, what happened is this person took out a loan. So they they uh, took some ETH. They took out a loan for for what was it? They took out a loan for God. What was it? Hold on a sec. Oh yeah, they so they borrowed wrapped Bitcoin WBTC. So it's basically like a a pegged version of Bitcoin on Ethereum, um, and so they they kept half of it. Half of it went to wrapped BTC, and then the other half of this ten thousand Ethereum that they put uh, was used for shorting. Uh, or betting that the price would go down, um, and then they sold all the wrapped BTC on a margin trading platform called Fulcrum. And so what happened is they they took all this money that they had in Ether, they bought a bunch of wrapped BTC, and then they used the other half to short wrapped BTC. Then they sold all the wrapped BTC, meaning that the price went down because of low liquidity, and then that triggered their short to execute, and they actually made money on it. So that's where they made their $350,000. So all that they did is they realized that there's not a lot of liquidity in this market. I can probably, since I have a bunch of money kicking around, swing the price of wrapped BTC pretty easily on this low liquidity platform. And if I place a short on it while also holding a bunch of it and then selling it, I could probably make a shit ton of money. And they did. They made 350 grand. Um, that's not a hack, though. That's just that's just somebody realizing that a margin trading platform didn't have much liquidity and and utilizing that to make some money. Um now, the interesting thing here is that this is supposed to be De DeFi, decentralized finance, like a censorship resistant decentralized finance outside of the reach of government and everything. Um, Fulcrum has an admin key 
and is basically taking uh, the attacker left $600,000 of wrapped Bitcoin on the exchange. The <laughs> Fulcrum plans to use its admin key to take that $600,000 from that person and they're going to distribute it to other users of the exchange. So again, this, so they said there is currently 600K of wrapped BTC collateral left by the attacker. Attacker, again. Uh, we will be using this to stream interest and exit liquidity to existing IETH holders. This will be done using our admin key. This is an extremely difficult decision for us that we don't take lightly. So essentially, um, this admin key is hard baked into the protocol and it allows them to control any of the smart contracts where this funds are, are, are kept as a last resort. The purpose of the admin key is precisely for one of these moments where something has gone wrong and there is lo a lot of money at stake. So, but again, gone wrong. This person was playing by the rules of the platform. Again, it's anybody could have done this. Uh, so it's proof obviously of a central point of failure like they have control so it's not truly decentralized if you have a, a admin key that can just like undo or take control of people's money it's not really decentralized finance if you've got a centralized yes or no man that can undo things or just take your money at any point um yeah i <laughs> i'm at a loss okay let's let's move on um, and then just, uh, you know, one last, last little cherry on top if you need a reason for why Bitcoin. U.S. household debt hits record level. Um, there, uh, U.S. Wow. Recent reports indicate that the level of household debt in the U.S. has reached a record high of over 14 trillion with a T trillion dollars. Um, yeah. Wow. That's depressing. So an increase of $193 billion in the fourth quarter of 2019. Um, wow. $1.5 trillion higher than the pre-recession, so pre-2008 peak of $12.68 trillion. So people are in more debt now than they were before the Great Recession of 2008. Um, and it is the 22nd consecutive quarterly increase of household debt, which has been led by mortgage balances. Uh, so housing balances rose by $120 billion uh, over the quarter. Non-housing balances soared by $79 billion. So like, uh, some people are okay with the idea of of housing debt of, of buying land and buying property um, and they see that debt as good because it's could potentially increase over time and you have to live somewhere anywhere so you know you can kind of you can kind of forgive that but non-housing non-housing balances 79 billion dollar increase in the fourth quarter uh 4.2 trillion dollars of non-house debt in the states, uh, some so uh, a lot of that uh, is attributed to student loans, auto loans, and credit card balances. That's insane, guys. Um, so a lot of this can be blamed on uh, again a weakening economy, um, as well as the fact that that uh, moving towards negative interest rates highly. 
discourages people from saving. Um, and so if we move into negative interest rates, essentially what happens is you put your, your money in a savings account and you pay for that. You don't get interest. You essentially lend your money to the bank and the bank charges you for the privilege of borrowing your money. Um, yeah. So anyways, Bitcoin fixes this. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. Um, and then finally, guys, I just wanted to bring up uh, that I on the weekend I dropped this video for how to run and create your own node using the MyNode software at mynodebtc.com. Um, so I show the parts, the assembly, and the software installation. This is the second one of these that I've made. I made it for my friend Dave. Uh, I do have another one of mine just purring away on my. Uh, on my shelf right now. Actually, both of them are there. I still got to get this one to Dave. Uh, but I just go through, okay, well, this is what a Raspberry Pi looks like. Here's a case for a hard, a hard drive, all that. I put it together in a couple minutes and then we put the software on it and we see what it looks like when it's all said and done. I highly recommend you check it out. If you're not currently running a Bitcoin node and you're curious about it, this I hope if you take a look at it, will make you go, oh, I can actually probably do that. It's not that difficult and it's a super fun little project to do. And it's cheap. Like if you want to build one yourself uh, in a dedicated case and with a dedicated tiny little computer, um, it's actually not very expensive to do if you go for the cheaper end of things. And even if you go for the higher end one that I built for myself, it was like, I think I spent about 300 Canadian dollars on it really, really not that expensive. So be sure to check it out and share it around. Um, yeah, lots of positive feedback and I'm very excited to see the number of people responding and commenting on Twitter and on YouTube saying, hey, I, I was worried about doing this. I was a little scared. And now after watching this video, I realize it's really not that tough and I'm going to make the leap and I'm going to do it. So if you're not running a Bitcoin node, please at least watch the video and just see if maybe it might be up your alley. It's really, it's, it's I highly encourage it. I think it'll be well worth your while. Uh, and with that, I'm going to wrap up you guys. Thank you so much for watching. Please, if you're watching, uh, I guess I should say watching and or listening. Uh, if you're watching, do hit like, subscribe and share. It's always great to get more people watching the videos. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, then please do share the podcast on your social social media. Uh, and then if you want to help with the show in another way, you can hit up the sponsor down below. That is Ledin and Rise Wallet, as well as Wasabi Wallet, which is a desktop client to help you obtain more Bitcoin privacy, uh, which Steve Mnuchin does not like. <laughs> and then finally, you can hit up NordVPN. This is something I use on my computer, on my phone, and it hides your IP address. It encrypts your browsing data and has other added benefits like unlocking geoblock content. There's a link in the show notes where you can get 70% off as well as a month free. And it ends up being about $3.49 a month if you go for that option. Uh, and of course, it'll help out the show if you do so. Uh, alternatively, if you don't want to click the link, you can go to nordvpn.com and use the code BTC sessions, all one word, and it'll get you the same deal. With that, I am out. Have a wonderful evening and I will see you guys next time for your daily session.